When I was 11 or so, I had a really close friend named Alyssa. She and I would hang out all the time, practicing cartwheels or making huge colorful signage to be hung up wherever we could find space, always with these creative slogans that would act as testimony to our friendship. We'd do crafts, have sleepovers, stay up way too late playing video games. She was about a year and a half younger than me, and we were both too young to have really carved out an identity yet. But I remember that we both really liked the idea of being skateboarders. All we needed was some attitude. Oh, and a skateboard. The skateboard would come in time, but most of the attitude was sourced from our favorite music of the day. Aqua, with their hit song, Barbie Girl. When that came on the radio, me and Alyssa, we felt unstoppable. I remember Alyssa had a birthday coming up, and it was a big one. Double digits, you know. That's kind of a big deal when you're nine. And I wanted to do something really, really special for her. At the time, I was spending one day a week doing custodial work at the local ice cream joint, and the owner, Dennis, he seemed just the person to ask for advice on gifts to give for milestone birthdays. I fancied myself a bit of a wizard with the push broom, and once the floors were swept, the candy restocked, the pinball machines wiped down, we sat at one of his little round glass top tables for two and began the consult. Her favorite candies? He had all of them in stock. Perfect. Her favorite music? Well, Aqua had just released their album Aquarium with the hit single Barbie Girl on it, and CD Warehouse would definitely have it in stock. The one in the town over from me was a two or three mile walk, and I went there all the time. Perfect. After brainstorming a little more, Dennis wondered if I could afford a skateboard. It seemed a little over the top, but after all, that was what Alyssa and my friendship was all about, living life above and beyond. There was no way I could afford a good one from an intimidating local skate shop, but a big box store might just do the trick. A couple days later, Dennis drove me three towns over to the Target. Forty bucks. Worth it. Candy, a CD, and a skateboard. Maybe good for ninth or even 11th, but 10th? This had to be special with a capital S. I was out of money, so the following week when I showed up to clean the ice cream shop, I asked Dennis if he had any ideas for a zero-budget proverbial bow on top. It turns out he knew just the thing. You see, just a few days prior, one of his industrial-sized deep freezers had gone out, something you never want to have happen if you're in the ice cream business. You can resist and resent it all you want, but sooner rather than later, if you value thousands of dollars in product, as they call it in the biz, you're going to express order yourself a new freezer. Being the wise and jolly and rather round entrepreneur that he was, Dennis ordered a new deep freezer. And I was in luck. It had just arrived that morning. I still wasn't tracking his train of thought, but when good old Dennis went on a tangent about freezers, I rarely did. It was when he showed me the shipping box from the new one that it clicked. I showed up later that afternoon with candy, CD, and skateboard in tow as the box in all its freezer-sized massive glory stuffed three-quarters to the brim with packing peanuts awaited their deposit. 
Taped shut, it was formidable. My remaining birthday budget balance at zero, wrapping paper was out of the question. Industrial theme would have to do. On the day of Alyssa's birthday party, Dennis and I loaded the massive box in the back of his pickup and headed off to Alyssa's house. The experience was kind of like jumping into your own personal ball pit, except the balls were packing peanuts, the pit was a refrigerator box, and instead of mysterious germs from other playpen adventurers, it was gifts from a bestie. I try not to hierarchically rank my lifetime achievements. To do so would discredit the various chapters of my life. I will say, though, if I had to, this birthday gift would be up there. Thanks for tuning in to MakerCast, a podcast about creativity. Morgan James Smith here. Welcome to episode 45. It can be very uncomfortable to outgrow anything. Jobs, entire careers, friendships, self-imposed limitations, ways of being in the world. It would seem that growth and resistance to change often go hand in hand. That first little tap on the shoulder, that first awareness that the box doesn't fit anymore, it's so easy to ignore. Sure it fits, we say. If I just got a little more sleep or ate better or took a run beforehand or let myself wind down more after or struck a better work-life balance or whatever the excuse may be, we don't want to look at it. It's comfortable. It's familiar. It's us, right? It's who we are. It's how everyone in our life knows us. It's just such a tidier way of being, labeling, boxing up, compartmentalizing. We sit in this cubicle of mind and twiddle our thumbs, waiting for the winds of change to free us from our own suffering. If I know one thing is that the winds of change are ever blowing, they never stop. However, it is up to us to set our sails in the direction to catch that breeze. Without our active participation, the winds will blow, hearkening, beckoning, but we will stay where we are, perplexed, disillusioned, stagnant. Let's do a little visualization exercise. Picture this. You are standing in an empty room. For dramatic effect, it's lit like a hospital. Bright fluorescence, white walls, minimal decor. You're standing in the center of a circle of boxes 
Each one is labeled with a word and with a number. The word is your identity once you step inside that box. One might say employer, another employee, a third painter, a fourth student, husband, wife, parent, child, friend, the unofficial therapist, cook, cleaner, shopper, movie watcher, novel enthusiast. And the list goes on and on for each one of the identities you assume on any given day. The number next to the word is the average amount of time you spend in that role. As you look at the labels, there may be some you want to have a larger number next to them, some you'd prefer to be smaller, some words you'd like to change entirely, some you'd like to redefine. Well beyond the circle of boxes that surround you, off in the distance, piled up and shoved to the corners of the room, are more boxes. Boxes with dreams unfulfilled, paths untaken. To know they are there is a comfort and a burden. It is comforting to exist, if not in body or action, but at least in mind, in a realm other than the one you occupy. And so we keep them in the room with us, but out of our immediate circle. We talk about them, who we could be, who we would be, who we might have been. And it makes us feel connected to a part of ourselves considerably more vast than the summation of the boxes in our immediate circle, which when stacked and assimilated, oftentimes add up to an entire life. There may come a time in a person's life, in your life, when one of those boxes stacked up and tucked way back in the corner, out of sight, out of reach, and almost out of mind, tumbles down into your periphery. Ah, you say to yourself, that's right. I'd almost forgotten. I have always wanted to travel. I have always wanted to paint. As a child, I wanted to explore space. There's that idea for the book I've always known I'd write. Someday. One day. The thing is that the boxes that surround you in your immediate circle, they occupy you. All of you. And in order to make room for the book or the painting or the space exploration, one of the familiar habitual boxes has to go. This is easier said than done, but it is a necessary internal pruning that can become easier with both time, practice, and patience with self. I speak from experience when I say it is a painful and difficult process that of acknowledging a part of identity 
that is no longer serving us, that no longer fits. If we become frightened or stubborn or reluctant and allow the box in the periphery to stay where it is, a hopeful representation of a dream, something to talk to others about, to daydream about, to do one day. It will, by its very nature, provide us with an infinitesimal amount of the same feeling that is the essence of the experience itself. But it's a trick. To talk about doing something in that moment of talking provides a similar kind of feeling to doing the thing itself. So that while we're talking or thinking or daydreaming, we almost feel as if we are becoming, as if we are accomplishing. But we are not. It fades. And we do not become. Stand in the circle of boxes. Hear the calling of the far off, of the as of yet unanswered. Feel the temptation to take comfort in its presence, the lie that that will suffice. Take the focus away from the dream, from the faded vision of what could be. Instead, point your attention to the practical and make an honest assessment. Look at each box, each identity, inside your immediate circle. Ask yourself, is it still a fit? Is it still an appropriate recipient of your time, passion, energy, love? Resize the boxes by changing the numbers on each of them. Redelegate your waking hours. Be courageous in your willingness to discard that which once served you, but doesn't any longer. Make room. Only by creating space can we allow that which calls us to enter the circle. It doesn't happen the other way around. To chase it, to talk about it, without room in our being, we have no access to the action required to inhabit the ritual of dedicated practice that is required for its successful integration. I've heard it put like this. Rank every aspect of your life on a scale of 1 to 10. If it isn't a 10, it requires evaluation. This life is short. This life is precious. And we often forget that the 8s and the 6s and the 4s and the 2s are not simply burdens to be endured and situations to be trudged through. They are the very matter that is holding the place of what could be occupied by 10 after 10 after 10. This is not idealism. This is not fantasy. This is a truth and a way of living. In my experience, it's the only life worth living. Nothing is stationary. Nothing is assumed. Everything is being brought up constantly by being held to a higher standard in which duty, apathy, resignment are no longer key players. You are the only one in the room. You get to choose. Keep making.
This episode of MakerCast was recorded and produced right here in beautiful Bend, Oregon. Music for this episode can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support the ongoing creation of this podcast, share it with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.